0: Hello, 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 and welcome to our podcast, The Inspire Club, and welcome back to any of our previous listeners. I am your host, um, Ruth Dance, and I I share the duties of hosting this podcast along with our team at Inspiring Workplaces, and you've probably heard, um, if you've listened to our podcast before, uh, my co-host, Matt Manners. Um, We really enjoy interviewing incredible people who are as passionate as us in creating inspiring workplaces. And these people are from all over the world. For those of you that don't know me, I am the director of the Inspiring Workplaces Academy, which is the professional development, um, coaching, training, etc. arm of the business. And just like in the 1990s classic Fight Club, we do have one rule. And our one rule is that each guest must share a story of one person that has inspired them along the way putting positivity out into that world, and thanking someone who maybe had no idea. It could be a past colleague, it could be anyone really, maybe someone from the world of work, someone outside of work as well. So I should probably let you know who our guest is for today. I'm really excited to be joined by Emma Bridger. If any of you haven't heard of Emma Bridger, um, here's a little bit of info on her. Um, She is the founder and director of People Lab. Um, People Lab are one of the world's leading employee engagement um, and experience experts. Um, And she is also, in my opinion, one of the most, maybe the most passionate person I've ever met about helping organizations design and create these great experiences which helps people to really, truly be their best. Um, Emma has so much experience and so many connections around the world. She's often my go-to person, in fact. Um, She came to this world and this field of employee experience um, probably through a more unconventional route. Um, She was previously a lecturer in psychology but specialized in behavior change and then combined her educational background um, along with her business experience to go on and do amazing things. Emma um, is a conference speaker. She's an advisor to a government task force group in here in the UK. She works with so many organizations and she's also been published in many industry journals. And probably the two biggest things that I will um, take my hat off to Emma for what she's done over the last few years is... um, write and published two amazing books the first one is the practical introduction to employee engagement it's a five-star rated book on amazon now in its second edition and the second one and congratulations emma on the release of the book that's just come out which is employee experience by design which has been out what like a few weeks now so emma all round not only have you got this incredible background you're just any an incredible woman and i'm just um In total awe of you, and I'm so happy to have you on the podcast today with us. So, are you there, Emma?
1: I am here, Ruth, and I'm feeling really humbled by (laughs) by that intro. I'm feeling, if you can see me, I'm I'm quite I'm quite red now. I've gone a bit red, but yeah, very humbled by that intro. I'm delighted to be here, and um, you know, absolutely loving the work that you and the rest of Inspiring Workplaces are doing. So, you know. Great, great job you're doing, and really excited to see where you guys go next. So thank you so much for inviting me along. Oh, it's our pleasure to have you here.
0: And I'm sure you're in so much demand with just a new book being released. So how is how is the new book
1: going? Yeah, really well. We had um we had a virtual book launch. We obviously wanted to have an in-person book launch, but it wasn't meant to be. But the benefit of a virtual book launch is lots of people can, can come along and celebrate with you that might not normally be able to be there so we had that a few weeks ago and uh it's great we had over 100 people join us which was amazing blown away by the support and you know like you're saying people from all all around the world able to kind of get involved in this this new way of working so um it's dead exciting and has some really lovely feedback um so yeah it's all, it's all good it's all going really well thank you oh that is amazing and you're so right like we're able to
0: touch further corners of the world that we wouldn't have even been able to, it would have been so far out of reach before, so being able to really work to create these incredible workspaces around the world is, is amazing. But I have to go to our very first question and our first rule of um, Fight Club Inspire Club. Um, and uh, I have to do this, otherwise I will get my, give myself a slap wrist. Share with me, Emma, a story of someone in the world of work who has inspired you and, and why have they inspired you?
1: Mm. So I know this is dead cheesy, right? But I've got to say my dad, Um, my dad is called Terry Davis and he um, has, Well, he's retired now, but all of his life, he, he worked for himself. And um, obviously he's an amazing guy because he's my dad, but in the world of work, you know, I I learned so much from him. Um, I think the first thing is that, you know, he he was actually a real feminist. He always brought me up to say, you can do anything that you want to do, Emma. You know, you put your mind to it, you can do it. And and that was a really kind of key part of my mindset growing up. He instilled that kind of, I suppose, that ambition and belief. Um, You know, I saw him, he had a number of different businesses, but I saw him work really hard, put the effort in, but I also saw him fail, um, you know, there was a time when we were growing up when we actually lost our house because things things didn't go so well for him. And I saw him pick himself up, dust himself off and and, and kind of get on with things and, you know, and be very, very successful again. So I kind of learned those sorts of lessons from him. Um, and I also saw him treat people really well. You know, people loved working for him. He was a really generous man um, and I saw him, you know, great leadership skills saw him lead people really well um and, and also give people a chance as well i remember you know the last business he had before he retired was a, a builders and plumbers merchants business in birmingham and i remember i used to go and work for him on a saturday as you do when you're a kid and i remember he, this this young lad coming in um and this sort of seat well he had a cv i don't think and he was just really desperate for a job and my, i remember my dad was saying okay yeah I'll, I'll give you a chance this guy had been around loads of different places and my dad was like I'll give you a chance. And I saw this, this, this young lad kind of grow and develop over the years and end up kind of being the, um, the, the warehouse manager. And so I saw, you know, saw him nurture and develop people. So I know it's dead cheesy, but I'm going to say my dad. Oh, Emma, that is so lovely. Does he know this? I don't know if he does, you know, I probably should tell him more often. I mean, you know, I, I, I do sort of sometimes share with him what I've learned from him but yeah I probably should tell him more often definitely oh that's amazing
0: and I'd like to interview your children on a, on a podcast episode <laughs> in a few years time and say who um, inspires you and I, and I reckon they'd say my mum
1: uh I don't think they would they're at that stage where they're like massively embarrassed of like everything I do So
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh oh dear we grow out of that stage hopefully yeah way.
1: definitely definitely the teenage <laughs> years oh my um, goodness Emma
0: what is your what what's your purpose? What is your, what drives you? What's your, my why?
1: Yeah, it's it's really interesting. Cause like going back to the story about my dad, um, whilst, you know, I really admire what he'd done. He also put me off ever wanting to run my own business. Cause I sort of saw the blood, sweat and tears and thought it looks like a bit too much like hard work. Not that I'm afraid of hard work, but the emotional side of it, you know? And so I worked in house for many years, as you know, and While I was working in-house, I observed firsthand, you know, companies getting it wrong, really badly getting it wrong with their people. And I just kind of had this real wake-up call. It wasn't like an overnight thing, but over the course of years, I just thought, you know what, we're just at work. for such a massive part of our lives, and it doesn't have to be, and it shouldn't be, a miserable experience. And I'm sick of companies getting it wrong with their people and and I just felt like you know we know right I'm preaching to convert here but we know when we get it right with our people it's it's good for everybody you know people benefit they thrive they want to work work with you work for you customers benefit and the companies benefit and I just thought I, I can't sit back and watch this happen any any longer and and so that's kind of what inspired me to start People Lab. that you know work shouldn't be a miserable experience doesn't have to be a miserable experience and that was kind of that's my why, really, is to help companies to get it right with their people so that people can thrive and be their best. Because I just think, it, it why does it have to be such a, a crappy experience? It shouldn't be. So that's that's really kind of what drives me and gets me out of bed every morning.
0: Oh, that's amazing. What's the best experience you've ever had then? I'm sure there's some crappy ones, like you're saying, but what's the best experience you've ever had?
1: Yeah. I, do you know what? I, again, it's really cheesy. Um, I've had... I'm very lucky. I've had lots of amazing experiences at work and also lots of hilarious and and tragic tales to tell as well. Um, But something that always really sticks in my mind was um, going back to my in-house days. I'm a real real music lover as people that know me will will know this. And I used to be in bands and I love music and I'm passionate about music. And um, I remember when I was working for a, um, a large energy corporate with lots of, um, you know, working with the senior team there, lots of white men of a certain age, all dressed the same. And I decided I really wanted to do something different with them. And I was working on this big program to uh, integrate three different businesses and bring them together. And I had to, you know, it's very typical, do a load of communication around that, and we were doing some big events. And um, I, I remember saying to kind of the, the, the board at the time, you know, you don't know how it feels to be at your comfort zone. You know, everything is so... You know, you, you say, jumper people say how high, you've forgotten how it feels for things to be difficult or uncomfortable or, you know, you've forgotten how it feels to be unsure. And if you really want this change to work, you've got to kind of remember that. And somehow I managed to convince the the um, the chief exec that um, to, to go with this crazy idea of flying in this guy and his his assistants to do a non-verbal drum workshop at the end of a conference, which sounds a bit bit mental, and for that organization was completely a crazy idea. And nobody knew this was going to happen. At the end of this very straight, normal, classic kind of business conference, this guy that we flew in from South Africa walked on stage all done through nonverbal communication. And at the same time, you know, we were giving out these kind of different colored tubes to this audience. This audience was, you know, like 200 people, I said, very sort of very uh, non diverse demographic. And you could see them starting to get a little bit nervous like, why are they handing me colored tubes? What the hell's going on? What's going on here? And this guy and his assistants, they kind of held up the green tube, and, you know, vet, you know, people around the room that had the green tube started to realize they were supposed to hold up their green tube and start banging it with a stick. And then he put the green tube down and held the yellow tube. And so it went on. And just to see their faces of like, they're suddenly I'm out my comfort zone. I don't know what's going on. It feels quite uncomfortable. But over the course of the hour that this session ran for, you know, by the end of the hour, 200 people banging these different colored tubes. The sound was just amazing. And they really experienced this whole idea of coming together for the greater good. And the whole is greater than some of its parts. And they were just, they were like a different bunch of people. They were just, you know, the, the inhibitions were down. They weren't behaving in the normal kind of corporate stiff way. They were getting really into it and they were all out of their seats. And it was like a really proud moment that um, that A, the chief executive had had the balls to go with the crazy idea and, and that B, it actually worked. And it, and it was really, I always remember that. It sticks in me to this day, the, the power of music to unite people and bring people together and have that really emotional experience. So that's probably one that really sticks in my mind.
0: Wow. Getting people just out their comfort zone to learn. I um, used to have a pack of those coloured tubes, actually. <laughs> Back in the days when I used to run training and workshops and we could uh, see people and hand things out without worrying about passing things on to each other. I remember that. I'm trying to remember the name of them. I do remember those coloured tubes, but probably not on the same scale. But yeah, they were, they, were, they were pretty good. Emma, we've been talking at Inspiring Workplaces a lot with our community around what do we think are the key challenges or issues or priorities right now for for businesses what do you think are the what's the key priority for the workplace right now
1: yeah that's a good one i think overwhelmingly the thing that is really you know it's the hottest topic really has got to be well-being um and it's something that's very close to my heart i started my whole career in 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 the field of well-being being a health psychologist you know and I'm really glad to see finally, you know, health and safety, health and well-being is kind of moving on from the the classic kind of like, let's just give people a bit of occupational health and, and the kind of classic medical model of fix it when it's broken. So, yeah, we'll support people, but only when they're broken and they need it to the much more kind of like, you know, health promotion <laughs> approach which is how do we set people up and and you know build mastering capability around well-being so that it doesn't get to that point hopefully and just to see the shift in emphasis from that kind of fixing to a much more strength-based approach of how do we build resilience how do we you know help our people to thrive at work rather than just fix them when they're broken I think has been you know muted to my ears seeing that that's a priority now and every time we, we talk about well-being or we you know put out content you know related to well-being and that seems to be jumped upon by people saying yeah we need this and I think the one thing I would say though is you know whilst it's really exciting there's been this movement I've also seen that the the downside of that is lots of people jumping on the bandwagon saying hey we do well-being and I think I think you have to know quite a lot about the field to do it justice really I think you need some background or partner with people that have that background to do justice so it's great to see you know is a hot topic but I think just make sure that you speak to people that really do know what they're talking about not just go hey yeah we can run a resilience workshop you know because it seems to be the latest the latest hot topic so but good to see the change being made yeah
0: good to see the change being made but don't just do the tick boxes just because you because you're on that bandwagon don't just tick the boxes because you could end up actually with maybe even deeper problems
1: absolutely yeah completely agree Yeah. yeah
0: what's the best advice you've ever been given Emma and who
1: gave it to you? yeah that's a really good question um i think yeah i'm gonna be a bit cheesy again i'm gonna i'm gonna talk about my husband this time he's got loads of like one-liners which kind of like annoying but but (laughs) annoying because they're right really true but i think the advice is like less less practical and more like mindset like you know one of his his piece of advice which is is so true is the darkest hours before dawn and it is dead cheesy but I often come back to that when things feel really bleak as they have over the last year and, you know, or when things go wrong for you or you have one of those days where, you, you know, you drop the ball and it's just like, actually, it, the sun's going to shine again. And I think that's a really great piece of advice, not like even advice, I don't know if it's advice, is it? Maybe it's advice. But he's got loads of those that he comes out with, you know, like, you know, it'll be fine and tr- trust in the process, that sort of stuff. But the darkest hour before dawn, I think, is one that I always come back to, which just keeps me going when I feel really like, oh, goodness, when am I ever going to see the light again? So that's yeah, I'll probably go to that one.
0: Oh, that's lovely having a husband there, just giving you hope constantly. Like, don't give up. You know, the sun will rise again. The sun will rise again. That's um, that's amazing. Um, talking about well-being, I'm talking about darkest hours. Yeah, I'm talking about the last year. What are some of the things you do to help you to beat stress?
1: Yeah, it's um, it, that's a really great question. It's a whole physician heal thyself because, like I said, I started off in health psychology, right? That's that's I was a lecturer at university and I, I worked in the field and I did lots of projects on this sort of stuff and and I kind of I you know I go out and I talk about this stuff and I know the theory, but you know every now and again I realise that I I'm not in a good place mental health wise and and I I always turn to the work of Sean Aker who is. One of my his, his TED talk, if you've ever seen it, um, the Happiness Advantage. Check it out; it's one of my all time favorite TED talks. And um, he's an amazing professor of, of, of positive psychology. And but he, what he does is he puts the the ideas and the advice into really kind of like plain speak that's then accessible. And I kind of follow his advice really stuff that I know but I forget about. It. And it's it's the classic stuff around you know, um, take some exercise, meditate. Um, Gratitudes. Gratitudes, you know, we know absolutely help your brain to remember to look for the positive rather than just the negative. I've got something that I call a playlist. We have to talk about playlists in people lab. And my playlist is like a list of all the things that make me feel better, like listening to music. So walking down to my office along the seafront, taking in this, this sea, i say the ocean air, that's probably a bit grand, isn't it? For the English channel, but you know, <laughs> taking in the sea breeze and uh, listening to music, um, making time to do the things that I love to do. And I always tend to find when I'm feeling a little bit like or I'm going into, a, you know, not into a great place. And it's always this sort of certain tells for me, like I um, I suddenly find it really hard to make decisions. And that for me is a real tell that I'm perhaps not where I should be mental health wise. And I look at my playlist, and I think, you know what? Guess what? This is obvious stuff and I know this stuff, but I haven't been doing the things that I really should do that help me kind of to, to keep on top of my kind of mental health. And it's things like, I say, you know, going for walks, spending time with people that i love uh, watching funny movies um reading good books listening to music going to see music playing music all those things it's just making time for that sort of stuff but highly recommend checking out sean's ted talk because he just it's, it's the funniest ted talk it's 20 minutes long and he just gives really great advice in that so that that would be my, my top tip there
0: Oh, thank you, Emma. We'll we'll include a link to that TED Talk when we post your podcast online as well, so we can make it nice and easy for everyone, for all our sure. listeners. Um, we were running a workshop last week on leadership um and how do we support leaders. What do you think um is the most important quality we, we need in in our leadership right now, or in our leaders as individuals?
1: Yeah, that's that's an easy one for me to answer. And it sounds dead, dead simple. But I think if there's only one thing you do as a leader, listen, that's it. There's lots of other great stuff you can do, of course. But if you just actively listen to your people, for me that will get you like such a long way, you know, forward in terms of being a great leader. Because I think, you know, leaders often, you know, they think they have to have all the answers and they think it's showing some sort of weakness if they ask great questions. And I think just starting off by genuinely listening to people, I think I think we need to help people get better at listening. And it sounds really obvious. And when I do kind of coaching training, I do quite a lot of listening and to start with, people always say, well, yeah, yeah, you know, everyone thinks they're a good listener, right? Oh, I'm really good at this. But once you kind of delve into a little bit more deeply, you realize that perhaps you're listening for the gap where you can make your next really clever point rather than genuinely listening to understand. And I always say to people, if you spend time listening to people and you don't feel a bit knackered at the end, you're probably not listening properly. So I think that's that's my my top tip, really. My one thing that I say, not just leaders, all of us need to do better, myself included.
0: Listening, true, deep, level five listening is really hard, I agree. Absolutely exhausting. I remember when I did my coaching qualification, I first had to be coached. And I was like, oh, wow, these coaches, they get paid quite a lot of money for this stuff. Like, <laughs> wow, really, they don't really have to do much. Then when I went through the training on how to do it, the reality is it is so hard to actually learn to listen properly, like really listening at that level, not listening for you or waiting for your turn to speak, like you say, or, yeah, um, listening, true listening, and not just le- te- le- uh, teaching it, but that practicing of it. Mm, really good Absolutely. Thing. So helping our leaders and helping all of us to learn how to listen and practice how to listen more. Emma, is there anyone you'd like to work jobs with right now?
1: Oh, I don't know. Right now, probably I don't know because everyone's having a tough time, aren't they? No matter what industry you're in at the moment, you sort of look at other people and think, Oh, I don't think I'd like to do that at the moment. But I think um I think, you know, pre-COVID in, in a previous life, I I've said mentioned the music thing and I um, I used to be in a band and, um, you know, we, we actually back in the day in the 90s and, we, you know, we, we did have a record deal and we played Reading Festival a few times, all that good stuff. And I kind of felt like, you know, I, I kind of, no, I don't wish because I don't see any point in having regrets. And I absolutely love what I do. Um, but I, I'd kind of love to be in the music industry again for a day, just on stage playing great songs, you know. Um, with an audience,
0: I assume. Yeah, yeah.
1: with an audience, yeah, absolutely. Hanging out with my bandmates, you know. It's just to do that again for a day would just be amazing because it was just such a brilliant roller coaster ride of <laughs> highs and lows being in a band but it was great fun and also you know again you, you learn so many lessons from different parts of your life don't you and weirdly it was that helpful when I went into the corporate world that experience of being in a band you know dealing with uh celebrities because i quite often think that you know the, the board and the senior people are quite like celebrities in in organizations aren't they so uh yeah but that's what I do. If I, could, if I could go back to anything, I'd kind of go back and be in a, be in a band again for a be day. Be on
0: stage, have an audience cheering at you. Yeah. Loving the songs. <laughs> wow. Wow. What was the name of your band?
1: We were called Formula One and I played bass guitar and did some, some backing vocals. Not, not particularly well, but yeah, it was good fun. It was good work lasted.
0: Wow. We'll have to search for that, Emma. <laughs> how, do you stay, how do you stay productive? You know, we've talked about how difficult it's been over the last year. How have you kept yourself productive?
1: Yeah, I think that again, that comes back to it's the psychology of, of this for me. So, I mean, there's some like some tools that I use. Obviously, you know, I, I'm a big fan of uh, Monday keeping me on on target and all that sort of stuff. But actually, I think the way that I stay productive is to is to, to keep my well being in a good place. Um, you know, when about you know what what happens in your brain when when you're feeling good about life and you have a positive experience and you know release lots of dopamine that switches on the learning centers in your brain and when you're when that's when you're in that place you're just loads better at everything you do you're just primed to be really good at stuff and i think that when you start to get as we call it in in psychology in the grip when you start to get a bit stressed and then your brain sort of starts to go into much more kind of tunnel vision it's really hard to that kind of more creative higher order knowledge worker style of thinking you know that's really hard to write a blog or you know to to think through what you need to do for a workshop whatever it might be so I think for me being productive is about keeping my my well-being in a good place and making sure that I'm I'm having good experiences at work and when I have a good experience I'm just loads more productive so I think it comes back to that piece which again Sean Aker talks about in his TED talk so that, that kind of covers that as well
0: amazing so look after yourself look after your well-being and almost everything else slots into place
1: Absolutely, yeah. You just you got loads more energy, haven't you? When you're feeling good about yourself and life and what you're up to, and um, you know, just be more innovative, more creative. And I say, can you can you can write a blog in half the time. And I think when when you're in that stress place, everything just takes ten times longer because you're just not on not on your game. So yeah, keeping yourself in a good place, I think, is helps me to be more productive.
0: Yeah, that's so that's so interesting. I often have that conversation where people are like, particularly now, not everyone, but many people are working at home and in my husband's case for example not leaving the house for a week and having that conversation around go and take two hours to do something for your well-being it will take you half the amount of time to get that work done in the afternoon
1: absolutely
0: then it you know it will take you four hours four hours instead of eight hours but it sometimes it can be difficult to make that case people people are still measuring themselves or being measured on input rather than output and that's that can be a real challenge right I'm going to change up the pace a little bit and I'm going to find out a bit mm-hmm. about you and I think I know you quite well, Emma, but we'll see you have done you have done teaching training conference speaking, writing white papers, lecturing, you have written books, but if you could be a teacher right now, what subject would you teach
1: Oh that's a great question um I think I have to go back to to psychology and positive psychology I I still do a little bit of um I mean don't get me wrong I'm not I'm not a teacher I, I actually did a little bit of teaching very early on in my career at a level and realized like, I was rubbish at it I'm no teacher but I obviously lectured for, for many years and I still do do I did a, a lecture recently a guest lecture for City University and absolutely love it I love it when People start to make the connection and, you know, have those little light bulb moments. So I think positive psychology and neuroscience is something I'm really passionate about and helping people to understand, you know, in our world of our like inspiring workplaces and engagement and experience, helping people to understand what actually goes on behind the scenes in the brain i think it's dead exciting and i get very passionate about that so that's that's the area that i would love to teach to help help people to get better at this stuff by using the sort of the psychology and the science to underpin what they're doing rather than just doing something because it kind of feels like the right thing to do
0: amazing are you an early bird or a night
1: owl i do you know what all of my life i've been a night owl and then I don't know if it's like COVID or just the age I'm at, but I'm starting to become more of an early bird. Like most days now I sort of wake up before my alarm goes off, which is is completely new for me. So I'm starting to embrace more of an early bird. I mean, my early is not most people's early. So my early is like, you know, waking up at seven o'clock, whereas I know real early birds that are up at like five o'clock and stuff. That's the middle of the night for me. But yeah used to be a night owl a bit more of an early bird now.
0: i'm a 5am but that's certainly not by choice <laughs> that would be that'll be twin one-year-olds for you <laughs> oh bless you oh. oh so you're changing you were a night owl, but you're changing Wow. right emma we know we know you're a huge music fan um, yeah and music player so i don't know if you've been if you can even attempt to answer this question but what is your favorite album
1: Favorite album ever of all time. Yeah. That's really hard. Oh, I can't answer that. That's really hard. Okay. Um, right. What are you listening to? What is your what is your go to music right now? Then. Oh, okay. That's that's e- that's easier. That's easier. I have tried to do those sort of top ten albums, as you can imagine, but they change as weekly. But at the moment, I've got some really dear friends of mine um, who were in bands that we toured with back in the day, um, and they've just done this really cool little. Project. I think they call themselves the Judas Project, and they've kind of recorded, um, kind of remotely, doing their various kind of laying down their various tracks remotely, um, and it's all kind of about lockdown life. So, um, and they're on Spotify. So check them out on Spotify called the Judas Project. So they've got one of the tracks is called Kiss the Pangolin because if you remember at the beginning of the of. of um, the COVID thing, there was this whole thing about pangolins and spread it. And one of them is called Lockdown buzz cut. That's pretty self-explanatory. One of them is, I think it's called Optional Paralysis, which is that whole, we're all massive Netflix, you know, aficionados now, but you kind of go onto Netflix. I did this at the weekend and you look on it and there's just so much choice. You just go, I don't know what to watch. And then the, the most recent one, I think it's called, I think it might be called Brighter Days Ahead or something. And it's like a really lovely uplifting track. So I'm listening to those Tunes quite a lot at the moment because they're kind of very, uh, you know, they're very kind of applicable for our current times, and they're really lovely songs. But, but in terms of kind of like known artists, um, it's a little bit indie. But Jane, the Jane uh, Jane weaver has got a new album out. I don't actually know what it's called, but I've listened to that quite a lot as well. So yeah, check out Judas Project and, and Jane Weaver on Spotify. Those would be my two two recent recent finds. I'm gonna search them now. Actually,
0: um, has anything funny? I mean, has anything exciting or funny happened to you recently i know you've not in, in the uk like particularly where in the area that you live it's been pretty strict lockdown for a while like you can't really go many places but has anything funny happened
1: that uh, that's really tough i, I don't I, I nothing nothing really springs to mind it's it's one of those isn't it, Like you know where where you speak to people and you're like i've got nothing to update you on because like nothing's happening it's like groundhog day you know um and and then there may be a, a few funny stories but they're probably not shareable on the, on the podcast of things that have happened with my kids that they'd be really mortified if I shared so I daren't share those but, uh, <laughs> okay so but, I move
0: on <laughs> yeah let's
1: let's move on let's move on um what's your favorite film oh again that's really really hard I um I it's funny, I've been um revisiting lots of brilliant films because I I've I said I've got two teenagers in the house and one nearly teenager and one of my oldest son's is doing film studies and my daughter who's fifteen she's really into film. So it's been a real treat kind of rediscovering like classics with them, like going through like the Tarantino catalogue, for example, and you know, classical films with them and, and revisiting them. That's that's been really exciting. Um I think I mean I haven't probably got a favorite film but going back to that funny the funny piece and the music piece I think one of my go-to films to Cheering myself up is Spinal Tap so I don't know if you've if you've ever seen Spinal Tap but if you haven't it's like a um a sort of sort of fabricated rock band made up rock band called Spinal Tap um follows them where they're sort of you know they've, they've been big and now they're not very big anymore and they're sort of doing this sort of farewell tour or something like that and it follows their sort of their tour and it's just it's just hilarious and most of the sort of the, the funny moments of the tour are um based on actual real life kind of rock star moments the things that really happen so um there's this one that i really like which is where um they they, they sketch out on a piece of paper they they have this idea of having a stonehenge on stage with them and they sketch it out but they kind of get their their feet and inches mixed up and the stonehenge arrives it's absolutely tiny and it it, it reminds me of um you know, back in the day when um, I mean, it was in house doing things like you know communic- internal communications and all those amazing stories you'd have of those sorts of moments. Again, with the, the celebrities in 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 the world of work tend to be the um, you know the board and the executive team. Some of them are cool celebrities and some of them really aren't. And uh, you know them sketching out ideas for conferences and they sketch it out. And I have I have had a few Spinal tap moments with people I've actually worked with where we've kind of delivered what they wanted and they, they hadn't really been very clear about it. Things have turned up as like the wrong size or the wrong, the wrong thing, you know, so lots of great spinal tap moments. But I, I always think that, you know, at some point it'd be great to do sort of an anonymous book of us all sharing those funny stories from our days of like corporate world and some of the crazy things we've been asked to do, all the funny things that have happened to us and all of our sort of spinal tap moments. But yeah, spinal tap it was one of my favorite movies
0: and Spinal Tap moments, I love that. I love that. It's a thing, yes, Emma. Let's get this book printed. <laughs> I've got um, two questions for you. Um, first one, where these are my two final questions, where is the best place in the world? I know we haven't been very far over the last year or so, but where is the best place in the world you've ever been to?
1: Oh, yeah, that's really hard, Ruth. It's like, how do you pick one place? um do you know what when people always say to me you know and i'm lucky that i've i've traveled with work and also you know personal all over the world in my life and i've loved traveling um i mean who doesn't right but um and i was one of my kind of top traveling moments i was really lucky that i i got i went interrailing as a lot a lot of people of my age did i'm 50 so a lot of people my age didn't didn't go around the world couldn't afford it went interrailing and i went interrailing the year after the berlin wall had come down it was the first time you could um going to Eastern Europe without visas and obviously way before Google and internet. So me and my friend trundled off around Europe and and we went to, um, one of the first places we went to was was Berlin and we did East Berlin, which is amazing. And then we went to Prague and we had zero idea what to expect because we'd never seen photos and we didn't really know what it was going to be like. And obviously now anyone's been to Prague, like, Oh my God, it's amazing. And I just remember walking you know, getting off the sort of the, the train and getting into sort of the center of Prague and just being blown away by the beauty. And and that was a very exciting, you know, time. And also something that I kind of feel like it's really hard now for, for, for younger generations to have those kind of amazing, uh spontaneous kind of reveal moments because they can always look everything up before they ever get anywhere. Right. So I, I, that's, that I that sort of sticks in my mind. But Going back to the questions, when people sort of say, oh, where would you like to live? I kind of always say there's nowhere else I'd rather be than the UK because being passionate about music, we rule We rule the world when it comes to music, I think. And, you know, in any given town in the UK, on any given night, you can always go see amazing live music. And the amount of bands I've seen on the way up that are hugely famous now, you know, not, not because I'm big or clever, just because I love going to see bands and you just catch these brilliant bands who years down the line you go wow I saw them I remember seeing Nirvana in Manchester there's like 50 people in the audience I remember seeing Oasis when you know they were a tiny little you know um, signed band in in Manchester and so for me there's nowhere else I'd I'd rather be but I love to travel and go see different places but I think you can't beat the UK if you're passionate about music you can't beat it no
0: absolutely and my final question for you Emma and this is the staple one this is the big one who would you (laughs) like who would you like to nominate to come on Inspire Club
1: Oh, that's a really good one. Um, oh, that's a good one. Um, have you guys had Perry Timms on yet? Uh, I think we have. Oh well, there you go. See, you're already ahead of the head of the head of the curve. It's Perry Perry's really inspiring. So if you had him on already, but people haven't listened to his podcast, go listen to his podcast because he's dead inspiring. Um, there's a there's a guy that we've been working with um one of the things that we really found actually writing so myself and my my co-author belinda ganaway um when we were writing ex by design absolutely blown away by the generosity of the community to you know give us interviews give us their thoughts help out and it definitely made for a a, you know way better final product in the book than it would have done if just been like you know me and b and our ideas and Someone that really springs to mind is, a, is a, ch- a wonderful chap called Damon Dina. Have you heard of him? He's um, He was head of employee experience or director of employee experience at IBM. Um, he's hugely inspiring and hugely generous with his time. You know, he's, he's come along to a number of our sort of webinars and what have you. And um, very inspiring guy. And he's someone that, you know, recently um, has inspired me and also um, someone else who who I've been very inspired by is a lady called Helena Clayton who does a lot of work around love and leadership which I think is a really kind of brave and interesting idea to look at the you know how love could and should feature at work and with leadership and She's someone that I've recently been very inspired by. So check out her work as well. But she, she's awesome. So those are the two that sort of spring to mind. Thank
0: you. Well, that's three, including Perry. So we, yeah. we haven't released Perry yet, but we will be having a podcast recording with Perry. So that one's on the radar. And then the other two. So we're coming for you <laughs> Helena <laughs> and Damo, did you say? Da- Damon. Damon, 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 Helena and Damon. We're coming for you to be guests on Inspire Club. Wow, Emma, thanks so much. And I knew you were big into music and I didn't know you had a record deal. So I thought I knew you. And then I've just even found out even more about you today. Um, I don't know if this woman, if there's any talents you don't have, to be honest, Emma. (laughs) <laughs> a mother to three children, uh, a lecturer, an author, an incredible consultant and coach, and also um, a band member with a record deal. I mean, incredible. We've got so much to check out from the Judas Project to um, TED Talks to all these people to check out. So thank you so much. But thank you for sharing. I really, I, I always enjoy chatting to you. Um, Even more so when we get to record it and share it with everyone else.
1: Oh, likewise, Ruth. It's always a pleasure to catch up with you. And thank you so much for inviting me to, to, uh, to join the podcast. And uh, yeah, I always love catching up with you and absolutely loving the work that you guys are doing. It's brilliant
0: amazing thank you emma and thank you to all of our listeners here at inspire club we'll be back again very soon with our next episode if there's anyone that you would like to listen to um, or anyone you'd like us to go and uh, target then uh, do let us know and in the meantime there's a heap of new content videos guidebooks and everything that we're publishing to help you in creating inspiring workplaces all over the world so thank you again to emma thank you to our listeners and we'll hit here see speak to See you soon!